Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I had to verify the story that I heard about because it just didn't seem possible. And apparently there's this thing online called Snopes, where you go find out all of these stories that are running around. Of course, when I was looking at that, I'm wondering who snoops on Snopes? So if they're right, that's your place you go to say, okay, here's why I know the story and why I tell it as true, because they said I could. Damien lived in Argentina. When he was for his 13th birthday, his father Miguel found and adopted a dog for his son. And they were close. A year later, Miguel, the father, died. For a while, they didn't see the dog. His name was Captain. They didn't know where Captain had gone. Week or two or three passed, and they just couldn't find Captain, thinking, surely he will come home. And he was gone for a while. One day, weeks later, Damien and his mother went to the cemetery to visit the grave of Miguel. And there on the grave was Captain. They asked the manager of the cemetery, how long has he been here? The manager said, weeks ago he showed up. And he would follow us around all day long as we work in the cemetery. And at 6 o'clock, he goes over and lies on that grave. And he's been doing it for weeks. Captain illustrates and defines for us what might be a really good way to think of faithfulness. Like Captain, be there. Now that's faithfulness. How can we describe faithfulness? Be there. Oh, I know what Hebrews 11.1 1 says concerning the definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I get that. But faithfulness says, I will be there. And Captain was there. Open your Bibles to Isaiah 43. And I want you to notice for a few minutes what God says about faithfulness. What God says about being there. This is God's message to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. 
As we walk through a few verses, I want you to notice what God is saying to Israel. I want you to notice God's message to His people. We'll be going through verse 7 as we think together about this concept of be there. To do that, I want you to think about it this way with me this morning. God will be there for you. That's what God says to his people. God will be there for you. Now tonight we're going to ask the question, will you be there for God? Let's set the foundation of being there. Notice what God says. Part of the reading, of course, already happened. Number one, God tells his people, God will be there. I will be there because you are mine. Look what he said. This is the Lord who created you. The word create here is the normal word in the Old Testament that we use first or find first in Genesis 1 in verse 1. In the beginning, God created. This word create means to bring forth from nothing. God says, I will be there because you are mine. I brought you from nothing to something. You are because I moved. You are because I did. I brought you from nothing to something, number two. And I formed you. This word formed means to fashion like a potter grows his clay pot out of a pile of clay. God says, I brought you from something to something more. I'll be there. For that reason. Number three, because I redeemed you. When you sold yourself for something less, I bought you back. I'll be there. To redeem is to buy back from the place where it was sold. You are mine. And I bought you back. Finally, number four, and I called you by your name. When I bought you back, I named you. Now, go with me 
to the mindset of the people of Israel. They didn't exist. They were people like everybody else. And then God said to Abram, you get out of your land and away from this family, and I'm going to take you to a brand new land, and I'm going to make descendants out of you, the likes of which you'll never be able to count fully. I created you from nothing. And I formed you. I brought Abram out and I put together the family. And in this family came you. But you failed. How many times did failure happen in this forming process of God? It happened almost at the beginning. There was trouble and strife from the time of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph to the time in Egypt, to the time when they came out of Egypt and they were constantly bickering, complaining, and falling away, and to the time of the judges when they would do well, and then another judge, he would die, and they would fall away again, and God would bring another judge. They were constantly going away, and God was redeeming them. He was buying them back, and he proved it. Because every time he destroyed unfaithful people, he let Israel continue to stand. He was there. And he had called them by their name. When Jacob was returning home from his time away from his family, during the night, he wrestled with an angel of God, and he did well. And the angel touched him in his hip, and he became lame. But he would not let go of that angel until the angel told him his name. He said, it's too great for you, but I will tell you your name. You are now Israel. God said, you're mine. And since you're mine, I'll be there. If you are a parent, you know what this means intimately. Because you know that there are times when the children disappoint, when they fail, when they hurt, when you feel like there's absolutely nothing you can do to fix that situation. But you know what you can do? Be there. God, like a parent, said to his children, I'll be there. 
Because you are mine. Number two. God says, I'll be there because you will need me. You'll need me. I did not do this, but I've heard of some who did. I remember when our children, particularly when Austin and Aubrey, got their driver's licenses. When they came home, I think they came home at different times, and I said, here, go. Go get me a Mountain Dew. See, I had two purposes to that. I wanted a Mountain Dew. Now I got somebody who can go get it for me. This is pretty cool. But you need to get on the road. I've heard of parents who got in their cars to follow, <laughs> just to spy on them, just to see if they're going to be okay. Because parents know you can let them go, but they're still going to need you. God said, I'll be there because I know that you're going to need me. Notice what the text says. The text doesn't say, I made you and I fixed everything so you'll never have problems again. He didn't say that. In fact, he said, when you pass through the waters, when you walk through the fire. He didn't say if, and he didn't tell them they won't. He said, you're going to, but remember, I'll be there. He never promised to take the troubles away. But he certainly promised that the troubles by themselves would not destroy Israel. And the evidence for that is God said, I will be with you. When you go through these troubles, when you have these problems, when you have this fire, when you have this flood, when things are not happening the way you want them to, I will be there. Isn't it sad that when the troubles of life come, there are people who blame God. And in blaming God, make Him the fault for our problems. When the whole time, like a faithful parent, God's arms are open. And He says in trouble, just come running to me. Because I'll be there. There will be friends who will forsake you. There will be family members who might forsake you. 
And you certainly will fail yourself. But God says, I'll be there. Because I know you're going to need me. Number three. God said to Israel, I'll be there because I love you. Verse 3, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. There are two or three ways to understand what that might mean. He may be talking about when he brought them out of Egypt and God destroyed Egypt, but he didn't destroy them. I love you. It could be, as some have said, talking about the time when the armies of Sennacherib in Assyria came to take over. And God intervened and sent Sennacherib away. And God bought them by giving Assyria other nations to conquer. Because I love you. And certainly I know this. Every time that another nation was destroyed and judged for their unfaithfulness, God said, I love you and I'm giving you another chance and another chance and another chance. Verse 4, since you were precious in my sight, God valued them. What was that value? What value did they have? Part of what we're going to discuss tonight is the idea, does God really need us? Why do I need to be there for him? Does he really need us? God said, I, you are precious in my sight. Why? Because I made you. I formed you. I brought you here. You are my people. And then he said, you have been honored. How do you treat the things that you value the highest? Take care of them, don't you? I won't tell the family, even though I'm intimately acquainted with them. I know a father who said, when my child was at home, their room would never be clean. We were constantly harping on, you got to clean your room. Never done. Then my child got married. First time I went to see him. Child met me at the door and said, Dad, you got to take your shoes off, keep my house clean. I understand that. You know why? Because when it's mine, I take care of it, right? When you've invested in it, when you have stake in it, you take care of it, don't you? And God said, I honor you and I love you because you are precious to me. What you value, you honor properly. And God honored them. 
saying, I'll treat you right. I will be there. Again, God said to Israel, I'll be there for your children after you. Fear not. I am with you. I'll bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. God said, I'll be there for your children when you're gone. I had one prayer that I prayed for years. God let me live long enough to see my children form a Christian home. If that could happen, then I've been successful, and I can go. Of course, then I decided, hmm, I think I'd like to stay around seeing my grandkids. And so now I'm thinking, boy, wouldn't it be great to stay around long enough to see my grandchildren? have Christian homes. God said, I'll be there for your descendants even after you're gone. I'll be there. Now look at this final verse, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Listen to this interesting passage in Acts chapter 15. There's a big strife, big contention, big problem in the church in those early times. And the problem was there were Jewish people who said, the Christians coming in from the Gentile group also need to live like Jews. And there are things we need to put on them in addition to what you're teaching about Christianity. And so they had a conflict. What's going to happen? What are we going to say? They got together in Acts 15 and asked the apostles and the elders. And with the Holy Spirit, they made a decision about what is going to be required of Gentiles coming into the faith. Look at it starting in verse Number 14, Simon has declared how did God at first, notice, Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to bring out of them a people for his name. He called Abraham before they were a people from the Gentile people. And with these words, the prophets agree 
just as it is written, after this, I will return. After what? What what are you talking about? Well, he's talking about while they were in captivity. I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. They did come back from captivity. He did rebuild the temple. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things. He wasn't just talking about that physical temple. He's talking about God establishing forever His eternal temple, the kingdom, the church, so that all people called by His name can be a part. Known to God from eternity are all his works. You see, when God was talking to Israel, telling them that he is going to be there for them, he's not just talking to Israel. He's talking to us. God says, I'll be there. I'll be there because you're mine. You belong to me. And I know that you're going to need me in the future, so I'm going to be there. Plus the fact, I love you. And I'm going to be there for your children after you. So you teach them that lesson. You tell them that. And when the troubles of life come, when things seem to be falling apart, remember, be faithful. God says, I'll be there. He proved it when he was there in the person of Jesus Christ. Came to this earth to to live just like us. And in so doing, he identifies with us. And as the Hebrew writer said in chapter 4, we have a high priest. We don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our infirmities, but it was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. God said, I know you. I was there. He paid the price through the sacrifice of Jesus. And now his love for us stands and he asks you and me, will you be there? If you're not a child of God, he's there for you. If you've never obeyed the gospel, it's there for you. If you're ready to be one of his, to be there with him, he's ready to take you. We're here for you today. Meet our shepherds at the front if you need to. Online, give us a call, text. Let us know how we can be involved and help you as we stand here together and sing.
We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.